Welcome to the Saving Grace Adventist Church Sermon Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed by the Word of God. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning to thank you and to praise your holy name. We have been trying this week to unite ourselves to the Word of God in praising the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit every morning, every day. And we need to go deeper and deeper and deeper until the experience of worship would become our lifestyle as we learn this morning. Father, we want to trust Jesus. And this morning we'd like to take the word and his example and to focus on him and to learn how to trust him. Because we know that it is by trusting Christ, the miracles of God take, take place in us. Bless us, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. The word of God this morning is from Matthew chapter 4. It is the last answer the Lord Jesus gave to the enemy who came to the to the most unusual place to tempt, to annoy, to attack, and to destroy. Who in the world will ever think that Satan would come where you meet God? Have you ever imagined that? It's like you run from Satan as you run to the Lord and you fall at the Lord's feet and you believe Satan has disappeared. It's not so, even though that's our safe place. He may come, he may throw stones at you, he may whisper into your ears some of the ugly thoughts he has. He may say, oh, the Lord is not here to listen to you. Oh, look at you, how you look. He may say many other things. But friends, after a while, the voice of God will say, get behind this son or daughter of mine, Satan, and never touch him, never touch her again. And he flees because he cannot stay where God is present. Now, from the word of Christ, I would like to take two main lessons. Verse 10, then Jesus said to him, verse 10 is Matthew chapter 4, verse 10. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, or get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. This verse is so rich that I, am, I feel the tendency to, to take it from every angle possible. But you know, in 15 minutes, you cannot take everything. And you don't need everything. We like to focus on something we like to experience this week. There are two main aspects of Christian life that are joined together. 
the experience, the side of worship, and the side of service. Some people imagine the experience of worship as it takes place in the Catholic Church or Greek Orthodox Church where I'm coming from, where you go to church and you are fascinated over there with the, those profound songs. And there is even a kind of atmosphere, you know? People are not talking in those churches, at, at least in my, in my time. They are not uh, whispering. It is silent, perfect silence. And there is something that, an atmosphere that penetrates the soul. But after they finish over there, I remember when I was young, I would finish worshiping their God, and I would get out of the church, and down the road, like two or three minutes, there was a restaurant. So I would get into the restaurant, and I'll drink, and you know, entertain with my friends. So what happened with the experience of worship? It was only during that moment. There is no connection with what happens after. In the wilderness, when Jesus went to worship God, he had two components in his heart. First of all, he went there to consecrate himself completely to the Lord. Jesus at that moment was the son of man. He took human nature and he needed to communicate with the father. At that moment, Jesus went there for a total consecration to God. Satan went there too because Satan knows that the success of a human being stands in prayer. It is in his consecration. And if he can dilute your consecration, if he can make it like an, uh, 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 how to say, a very routine, if he can take from your consecration the element of worship and commitment, Satan doesn't care. You may pray all day long. What he wants is to take the element of commitment, is to take out the element of, of surrendering yourself completely to the Lord, is to take out from that experience the presence of God. So Jesus went there. Satan went there too. The, 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 the things that were at stake were so great. If Jesus succeeded, had to, if Jesus succeeded at that point, the entire plan of salvation would have chances of success. But if Jesus had failed at that point, the entire plan of salvation would have been a failure. So take this lesson. Your eternal life hinges in the way you 
consecrate to God. Your success in this life depends in the experience of worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Your resistance to the evil one, to his temptations, is connected to your connection with God. Satan will go to your very place of worship. When he sees, I, I have seen in my life, you know, very early I understood this. And praise God for that. And I have never been contented, content with a superficial religion. So anytime I find superficiality in my life, you know, like I'm the, un, the most unhappy person. So as a human being, you need a renewal. Over and over again, you come for a renewal. So there are these moments I consecrated myself in the morning. I say, Lord, nothing, nothing, nothing of my humanity, but only your spiritual nature. So when I began so successfully, at the end of the, of the day, maybe the most, the closest person in my life, or maybe the most unusual event would, would creep in and, and make my human nature, my sinful nature to, you know? So, man, I lost everything in a moment. Because the devil knows that you, if you remain in constant relationship with the Lord, if you are really serious about what you, you, you pray for, he knows that he will lose you. So for a while he will be there. He practically brought Jesus to the point of despair. We cannot understand completely the way Jesus was attacked, the way Jesus was tempted, because we cannot get into Jesus' nature. But the Son of God, he was in the human nature. And even though he had the human nature, he had never seen, he didn't have anything you and me have in our nature. In other words, he was pure, he was holy, he was, he was perfect, he was righteous. Nothing of this world was present in his mind or heart. The first temptation, the, 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 the easiest temptation for Jesus is, is it's terrible. His mind is not used to that. He cannot live. He is not happy surrounded by the devil and temptation. But not only that, but during the 40 days, at one moment, Jesus kind of remained alone. The sense of God's presence was not as in the beginning. And Satan came when, when Jesus was hungry and tired. Not only hungry of the food, but hungry for the visible presence of God. He was tired because emotionally, psychologically, physically, Satan was attacking and attacking and attacking and attacking and attacking him. He was at the end of his strength. And look how the enemy manipulates everything. 
he will take Jesus up to the temple. He will take Jesus on the high mountain. He would make the whole kingdoms of the world pass before him. And Satan himself would transform before Jesus. No, not transform, but will appear before Jesus as an angel of light. And Jesus himself didn't look well. And Satan would even bring into his mind the temptation that he might not be the son of God. Look how you look. The Savior overcame the devil by remaining in the attitude of worship to God and by consecrating his entire being to the Lord. This is the key. This is the key. He didn't pay attention. He didn't go into the dialogue with the devil. The devil might come to you and say the most terrible things about you. If you pay attention, you lose the sense of God's presence. And one moment, by an authority only God could give to the Son of Man, he said, get behind me. And Satan got behind him. Satan ran away. So he has limits. The Lord will allow him to provoke and test us because we have a free will and we are called to decide between this enemy and the God of the universe. But friends, if our consecration is total, it's entirely to the Lord, Satan will be rebuked and you will <sighs> feel free. Feel free. The second point, Jesus didn't go there only to spend a time in worship. And after that, not like Pastor Greg when he was young, go to a restaurant. He went there to understand and to receive the mission God has for him. Our consecration, our worship must always be connected to the mission God has for us. If we don't have a mission, we become a mission field for the Satan, for Satan and for his angels and for this world. If we don't have a mission from God, something is not right in our experience of worship. If we do not receive a mission from the Lord, something will be missing from our religious life. If we do not engage ourselves in the mission God has, that means that we might not even be converted. And even the answer our Lord Jesus Christ gave to Satan contains these two elements. Get behind me because it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Serve him only. Serve him only.
at one moment you don't even know which one is more beautiful. The part in which you understand that Christ has done everything for you and he imputes, he counts his righteousness to you and you are regarded by God as you as if you had never seen or the part in which you serve the Lord in his spirit and from a heart which is full of thanksgiving. God has not saved us to be lazy in this universe. God has not saved us to be inactive. The Lord has not brought us into his church to not do anything. And our worship must not be only coming here and singing songs and praising the Lord. Our worship must have a second element, which is serving him. If you go back when God called Abraham, you remember Abraham was thirsting for God's presence and for God's blessing. And the Lord came and said, I will bless you. And what was the second word? And I will make you a blessing. I will make you a blessing. Abraham was to receive blessings over blessings over blessings over blessings from God. But the second aspect of these blessings was to become a blessing for others. We are called by God into his church to be blessed and to become a blessing to others. We are called by God to be his children because he has a mission for us. When Isaiah was called, Isaiah chapter 6, he worshipped the Lord. He, he heard the angels. He saw how, how the holy angels are worshipping God. And he experienced a total commitment, a total consecration. And he was forgiven and he was, the, his sins was purged. And he was given a new mind, a new heart, a new spirit. And he heard the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who shall go for us? And what was the immediate answer of the prophet of God? Here I am. Send me, Lord. That's mission. We don't have time. If we, if we take the, the life of Isaiah, from that point on, Isaiah was serving and serving and serving, preaching here, preaching there, rebuking the people here, giving support here. He became one of the greatest figures in the history of the Old Testament. Practically, he's called the evangelist of the Old Testament. Because he saw even the suffering of Christ. And Isaiah 53 is one of the most beautiful parts of the Bible. So Isaiah went to the temple to serve. But he received a mission in which he engaged for the rest of his life. This is what to worship means. And what about 
What about in heaven? Revelation chapter 7. It's a beautiful passage, passage from verse 9, but we don't have time. Uh, let me read verse 9 after that verse 15. After these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with the white robes with palm branches in their hands. Verse 10, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And verse 15 now, Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. What do they do over there in front of the throne of God? They worship God and they serve him. How much of their time? Day and night. Friends, there is no break. In serving God, there is no vacation, no break, no pause. Because life means Worshipping the Lord and serving Him. As we go through this new beginning, I would like to take you by the grace of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit to that experience which will be so, so, so beautiful to me and to you. But as Children of the Lord, we must accept a process of discipleship, a process in which we are taught, a process in which we do what we learn. So this morning, I have another small homework for you for the, for the next week. For those of you who did not take this uh, conflict of ages set, uh, I have brought, and Sister Campbell can give it to you. In the past, there was 50 or $60. Now it's reduced to 29 29 It's six, uh, five books, beautiful, wonderful books. In this book, in this set, you'll find the second book called... Uh, Kings, uh, prophets and kings. Thank you. And chapter 25 is the call of Isaiah. Chapter 25 from prophets and kings, the call of Isaiah. Those of you who do not have this set, Sister Campbell will provide it to you. It's $29. If you don't have money today, don't worry. You'll bring it next Sabbath or in the future when you can. Uh, and for the entire week, tomorrow, God willing, you may read the whole chapter. And after that, during the week, every morning, go to one part of the chapter which teaches you something of what worship and service mean, means. Mean. And you focus on those things. Eventually, the purpose is to learn from Isaiah how to unite in our experience of worship, 
the consecration with the service. So this is a little homework. Take it seriously. And with uh, your spiritual partner, the person you pray every day, as we, as we talked last Sabbath, we like every one of you to have a spiritual partner so that one time per day you meet on the phone and you pray for each other. And now the, the theme of your prayer is worship the Lord and second, teach us, Lord, what is our mission and teach us how to serve you. Pray for this for the entire week. I like what God does for his children. And I have observed that nothing does the Lord require of us which is not for our good. In other words, I would suggest that God practically doesn't need me to serve him. He has the angels, he's God, he's perfect, he's holy, he's happy. He doesn't need my contribution to his happiness. So what is the purpose of serving the Lord? I need to serve him. Serving God is for our own happiness. Friends, the law of God is given to be respected, but not because the Lord needs us to respect his law. It's because as we respect his law, we are happy. Amen. To be a blessing to others, God, God is able to bless the entire world without me even having a prayer. But the Lord is involving me in becoming a blessing to the world because only then am I happy. Amen. I cannot be happy if I'm not serving God, if I'm not serving people. I cannot be happy if I only receive, 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 receive. You, you remember the, the, that's, that's see in a, in, in, in Israel, it's that sea is receiving, even the Jordan is coming to that sea, but no life over there. It's dead, and is dead because it doesn't have any outlet. We must give in order to experience the true happiness in life. I was years ago and preaching in, uh, in Peru for an evangelistic crusade. The experience, I, I, have, I've, I saw that country, I saw the poverty, I saw so many things. And years after, I learned about this experience. Didn't happen during my preaching, but it took place during the preaching of a great evangelist over there. He was preaching one week for a, a city, not a, a big city. And uh, in the, on the Sabbath, the last Sabbath of the week, the last Sabbath of the week, there were five souls ready for baptism. Sabbath morning, dressed in white, ready for baptism. And 
just before the baptism was to take place, a huge man, tall man, a powerful man like Brother Campbell, with a, with a belt in his hand, entered the church. And he began to speak, you know, that language you don't want even to hear. And people were like, because he was a, a huge man, you know. And a lady who was just ready for baptism began to tremble and, and, and weep. It was her husband. That man came, hit her before the congregation, took her by hair, and drag it out of the church. Nobody had the courage to stop him. And he would drag her on the streets of the city, a small city, and people will applaud. It's like a, a city full of ignorance, a city who didn't know God and doesn't respect the free will of another human being. So he stopped her from the, took her from the very act of baptism. It was a sad Sabbath. Late in the evening, the evangelist received this little notice from the lady. I know that you plan to leave tomorrow morning for Lima and to take your flight or whatever. Please don't leave the city before you baptize me. I will be at the church early in the morning, about six o'clock in the morning, where practically people go to the marketplace with their products. So I will play like I'm going there, you know, I'm buying something for my home and I will get into the church and you will baptize me. Only after you baptize me, you leave, please. So the evangelist stayed early in the morning. The lady was present over there, and he baptized the lady at 6 o'clock in the morning. When, when the lady was baptized, embraced him and said, Pastor, that, that's it. From now on, I don't care what happens in my life. I consecrated my life to Christ. It was an act of worship, but it was an act of worship that contained two things. A total consecration. And second, a mission. Amen. Years passed by. The husband found out. And the life of this lady was made miserable. You understand? She lived in the same house with a beast. But she consecrated her life to the Lord in an act of worship. And now she was trying to do her own mission the way she could. She would pray for the husband over and over and over again. At his workplace, his friend said, hey, you know what those people are doing over there? I don't know about uh, Jamaica, but where I'm coming from, Romania, they were kind of imagining all kinds of crazy things that are taking place 
where we go to worship because we didn't go to worship the way they did. They did it. So they would say the most miserable things about us. That was what his colleagues were telling him about, you know, they are meeting, you know, ladies and so on and so forth. And I don't even want to, to debate. And the man said, is that true? Is that true? Okay. So one day, in the middle of the day, he would come home. According to what his friends were suggesting him, he might find her with somebody. I don't even want to tell you who were they thinking of. And came slowly and opened the door and she was talking with somebody. The man got to the end of everything, got into the kitchen, took a knife, and now he came to execute both. She was talking with somebody in their dorm, according to the imagination of his friends. Look what kind of religion she has. And opened the door to kill both. And she was talking, but she was on her knees. And she was talking with God. And the moment she opened the door, he opened the door, the poor lady opened her eyes and saw him with, his, with the knife in his hand. So she would close the eyes and bow her head and continue to pray. He said, like a lamb taken to the slaughter. She was ready to die. He said, I couldn't imagine. This lady, no matter how strong am I, this lady, before she knew Christ, if I would say something, she would say something else. If I would slap her, she would take something in her hands and try to protect herself. She would fight. She would hit me. She would do whatever she, she could. Now, since she consecrated her life to Jesus, she's like a lamb. And practically, he was hearing her praying, Lord, with tears in her eyes, Lord, I know that my husband is a good man. Yes, he mistreats me. Because he doesn't know you. But Lord, I pray for the salvation of my husband. Lord, I pray that you don't allow anything to happen in his life before he has given his life to you. Lord, I know my husband is a good husband. Yes, he mistreats me. But I pray for my husband. Instead of killing her and killing the person she was with, he knelt in the same place and he asked her, when do you have meetings at the church? It was Wednesday evening. She said, today we have prayer meeting. He said, I go with you. Now, practically, whatever I'm telling you is him telling the story to the same pastor, the same evangelist. And he said, Pastor, I came that evening to church 
and gave my life to Christ. And I've never left the church since then. And now you see me here? He said, I am the deacon of the church. I would like to see that husband who comes into this church to mistreat his wife. That will have to talk with me. He was a strong man. It's like what, what nobody did on that morning when I mistreated my wife, I will do against everyone who has that kind of behavior. And he became a man of God and a servant of God. Never overlook the aspect of service in the experience of worship. Worship God without serving God is kind of, uh, you know, when you are a little boat and you have two and you use only one. A, an abstract religion makes us Pharisees. We don't need to become Pharisees. We must live an abundant life. And the abundant life in the plan of God is consecration to him, full heart, totally, and serving him only. Let's pray this morning that we will experience this in our own life. Let's pray, pray, uh, pray this morning as uh, we uh, have the song. I would like the song to sing with you first. Give you the possibility at the end to come forward and say, Lord, I am coming here to worship you, but I also long to learn how to serve you. Because friends in heaven would be accepted only those who have learned to worship God here and serve him only. There is no place in heaven for inactivity. And the service to God is the most pleasant, the most blessed activity we may ever have in this life. Let's sing together. And at the end of the song, as we prepare for for the prayer, I would make an appeal for a new consecration this morning so that the experience of worship will find in our lives the total consecration and the total service to God. I long for this holistic Christian life which means that I'm a worshiper of God who worships the Lord in spirit and in truth. And I'm also a man of mission. I'm serving God only. Whether I preach, whether I'm doing something around my house, whether I am at my workplace or in the school as a student, wherever I go, I am to be a servant of God. In the things I do for others, I can worship the Lord through acts of worship. This is what I like to pray this morning for me and for you. Those of you who would like to say, Lord, it's been such a long time since I'm kind of 
leaning on one side or another side of the Christian life. I would like to be a Christian who worships you always and serves you always. Amen. I would like to have a mission and I like to learn here on this earth the life of heaven. I would kindly invite you to come forward for a special consecration if you feel so. Heavenly Father, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for Jesus, our precious Redeemer, who came and in the wilderness of temptation, he consecrated his full life to you and he received from you the mission of saving the world. We learn from him that these two sides of spiritual life must always be together. The beautiful experience of worship is the beginning. And the beautiful experience of serving God and serving humanity is a, an effect, is a, a product. Lord, if we look back to our lives, we may see that we are kind of poor in every of those two, six, two, two aspects. And we pray for forgiveness. We like to learn to worship you, Father, the way Jesus worshipped you. We like to learn this week from Isaiah how to spend time in front of the God of the universe until the God of the universe changes us, transforms us, and makes us like him. And we also like to learn from Jesus and from Isaiah. When Isaiah said, here I am, Lord, send me. And when Jesus left the wilderness, he began his wonderful ministry in saving the, the human beings. We like to be engaged in the same kind of, of mission, Father. We pray for this, Lord. We pray for this because your people today doesn't lack too much knowledge. We have a lot of knowledge. What we lack, Lord, it is a personal mission. We pray that you inspire us through your spirit. We pray that you bestow your spirit upon your people, Lord, so that we don't only talk about this. We don't only listen to beautiful stories, but we become those heroes of faith. We become those servants of God who serve the Lord day and night by serving humanity. Father, we pray for a new spirit upon us upon saving grace, upon every visitor who came this morning to visit with us. May everyone leave this place as a true worshiper of God and as a true servant of God. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We are always encouraged to know how God is working through this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email at podcast at savinggracesda.org. As the Holy Spirit impresses you, you may also support this ministry financially by visiting savinggracesda.org.